Magic is what happens when you find balance between method and madness, science and art. Welcome to the Magic Maker Podcast, the place where entrepreneurs who want to find magic can access aha moments and simple steps to big dreams. I'm your host, Jay Nicole Smith, but you can call me Nick. Let's get started, shall we? Hello, Magic Maker. Today, we have an episode that is deeply, deeply personal to me. And not only is it like the first time I will have shared this stuff publicly, but it's also the first time I've said some of this stuff to another human being. So I am going way out on a limb by making this a podcast episode, but I wanted to explain a little bit why I think this is so important. Not only am I pretty positive that a lot of you are going to be able to relate to these feelings that I have, which are dark and scary and you know, mixed up in all kinds of shame and vulnerability and discomfort. But I also believe that this stuff, this dark stuff that we keep hidden is a huge, huge part of our success as an entrepreneur. And I'll explain why. When you are your business, when you are at the very center of everything that happens and doesn't happen, the way that you operate And your ability to show up, your ability to manage conflict and get stuff done and be a strong leader and perform (laughs) over vast periods of time, these things are critical to the success of your business. And guess what? You can't do all of that stuff without addressing your mindset, your emotions, and those things you don't always have control over. They get triggered. There's so much that happens for us subconsciously. And so what I'm talking about today, I'm taking you on a personal journey of some of my stuff, which I expect a lot of you will be able to relate to. But what we're talking about today is why this stuff is actually the most important stuff to look at when we're building a business. Soon, I'm going to be introducing you to my five laws of entrepreneurship. And the very first law is mindset. And the reason for that is that there is no business without us when we are our business. And if we are not in our right mind, if we are drenched in scarcity, if we cannot get out of the not enoughness, if we can't show up and perform, our business is going nowhere. So although this episode today might not seem like it has a lot to do with business, the reason that it's so critical is that there is one thing you need to focus on and heal, and understand, and practice in order to do anything else in your business. And today we're going to dive into that. So without further ado, let's make some magic, shall we? For some of you, what I'm going to reveal today might freak you out, offend you, or trigger you. You might wrap me off as an oversharer, or you just won't get it. But I'm willing to take that risk. Because for some of you, this may just be the permission slip you've been waiting for your whole adult life. I feel compelled to share this deeply personal journey up a mountain that for 30 years, 
I've been positive was absolutely unclimbable. Just in case you're standing there looking up at a mountain that is equally unsurmountable and you need a hand to hold and maybe a little push to take that first step. Although this episode might not seem like it has much to do with building a brand or growing your business, I can assure you it does. So stay with me. But fair warning, this episode gets really real. Today, I'm going to reveal some pretty ugly, deeply personal stuff that I've never actually talked to another human being about before. So this is your chance to turn back. But if you do decide to continue and you see value with what I have to say, and you believe this message deserves to be shared, please do share it. Share it privately with someone or share it on social media, whatever you feel comfortable with. This is a topic I know I'm not suffering in alone, and I don't think we talk about it enough. I mentioned the work of Brene Brown a few times in this episode, and as she would say, shame hates it when we reach out and tell our story. It hates having words wrapped around it. It can't survive being shared. Shame loves secrecy. When we bury our story, the shame metastasizes. So this is me reaching out and wrapping words around it. Okay, here we go. My whole life, literally since I can remember, I would look at fat women with disgust. I would scan up and down their whole body, analyze their lumps and bulges, and wonder what their secret pain was. When fat women wear short shorts revealing cellulite, I wonder, how can you go out in public like that? When I would see bigger girl with a handsome guy, I would genuinely think, how did you get him to date you? What does he possibly see in you? These are real ugly truths that I am not proud of. I would look at thin women and think, wow, she's so pretty. What must it be like to walk through the world with a body that size? What must it be like to just wear a swimsuit without desperate humiliation? Or <laughs> dress without spanks to prevent chub rub? Or to be able to easily climb stairs or do push-ups without getting red-faced and winded? What must it be like to be the girl who gets chatted up in bars? What must it be like to actually be a Disney princess? As I aged and matured, of course, I started to uncover the surprising truth that thin women also have body shame, that not all thin women are fit and healthy, and that fat or thin women deserve to be loved and wear short shorts in public without our judgment. Of course, my conscious realization of these thoughts and judgments only began to surface when I started to look under some big, heavy rocks in my own mind. Of course, it wasn't that long ago that I discovered these awful thoughts. And of course, they're not actually about other women. All of these nasty stories were a reflection of a lifelong, unwavering disgust with my own body. I thought true love would fix this. In the last episode, I described a breakup with a fiancé a relationship I ended when I realized I was settling for what I thought I deserved instead of what I actually wanted. Sleepwalking into an engagement was a huge wake-up call for me. I could no longer deny that there was something in me limiting my potential and my belief in what was possible for me. So after that breakup, I moved to California, I got all new stuff, <laughs> and I set about to do the work to get myself into a place where I felt like I actually deserved what I really wanted. I promised myself I wouldn't date for a year and I would just work on being the best, brightest, happiest version of me. Eight months later, I was feeling really confident. Everything was going really well for me. 
in the two businesses that I owned. And at a wedding one weekend, I met the man of my dreams. Six months later, I moved to London. Two years after that, we got married. But even with all of that bliss and excitement, change and success, looking back, what I find mind-boggling is that I actually punished and hated myself right through all of it. The work I thought I was doing on myself was really about trying to be less of what I hated instead of learning to love what I actually was. My husband literally tells me every day how much he loves my body and how lucky he feels to be with me. I am so lucky. I thought when I was younger that if someone would just love me for me and be genuinely attracted enough to me to want to spend their life with me, that would fix it. That would be the thing that could prove to me just how much I deserve love and therefore heal the deep wounds of my fat adolescence. Spoiler alert, it didn't. My husband loves me, but I haven't loved me. He loves my body, but I hate it. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how much someone else desires you, praises you, adores you, cares for you, or proves to you over and over that they're deeply in love with you and attracted to you. If you simply cannot accept it, if you simply don't believe you deserve love and praise, it won't sink in. If you deeply despise something about yourself, you simply reject positive feedback. You simply don't let any of that kindness and love get in. But it was easy to ignore, right? Keep it shoved down, just keep ticking things off the to-do list and working on everything else. But this awareness began to wash over me as my husband and I started talking about potentially having kids and I started seeing successes in my business. My attention finally started to turn towards the one truth I could no longer ignore. Last January, during a retreat I host in Mexico, during what turned out to be a surprisingly spiritual opening ceremony on the beach. With incense tingling in my nose, the sun baking my skin, and my feet buried in the sand, the truth that finally made me take action hit me like a tsunami. I can't help my tribe find what I've not yet found. I help entrepreneurs find freedom and fulfillment by building brands that matter instead of just businesses. But I suddenly realized I was just going through the motions. Sure, I've built great and profitable brands and I have built a life of incredible freedom, which includes a great income, working from home, lots of world travel, and deeply fulfilling work. Once again, I'm looking at something that looks great on paper, but I wasn't really allowing myself to enjoy it. I wasn't feeling free or joyful. Why? How could I truly love and support and help people design, build, and live the life of their dreams if there was an entire dark, unexplored continent within my own life? Bottom line, if I'm going to sell freedom and fulfillment, I needed to live it. And to live it, I had to define what it really is. So when I got home from Mexico, I dove into a world of research, exploring books and white papers and the science of what really makes humans happy. I explored different cultural beliefs and modalities. I read hundreds of happiness recipes from dozens of authors. As I explored and began to create my definitions of freedom and fulfillment, I discovered a grave truth, one devastating reality that I desperately didn't want to be true. I discovered that the number one item on the list for feeling both free and fulfilled, and by the way, all that productivity and success and business stuff, (laughs) is to learn to love and accept ourselves exactly as we are right now. 
all the signs and all the authors and all the cultures pointed to self-love as the answer. So ready for the big cliche? (laughs) I realized I couldn't give love if I didn't truly love myself first. I've built my entire brand around walking my talk and keeping it real and caring. But this was one place I just couldn't walk to. I couldn't even look at it. In the immortal words of Brene Brown, whose book, Staring Greatly and the Gifts of Imperfection, were among the many that I turned to for insights right after the retreat, it became painfully clear that I cannot give what I do not have. Sure, I can give love and care and support, but it's exhausting and depleting because I don't have enough to go around. As it turns out, when you refuse to accept love or learn how to truly accept and love yourself, Love is a finite resource instead of a naturally replenishing spring. It's hard work. As someone who has managed to basically avoid this conversation my whole life, I really did not want to go there. There are many, many things in my life I'm proud of, which I've fed off of in order to avoid looking in this dark corner. I have built a life where my confidence has been bolstered by the areas where I have focused and felt strong mostly my intellectual and entrepreneurial accomplishments. This started as a kid when I was just good at school. But having also learned to heal some areas of really deep shame and replace some destructive habits in my life, especially connected to money, which is a totally different story. (laughs) I do know transformation is possible. And in the areas where shame turns to empowerment, the payoff is life-changing. But I've avoided this, my darkest shame, my deepest trauma, my body shame, for as long as I have been looking in the mirror. This has led to deeply rooted beliefs that I am unworthy of the things I most desire. Success, freedom, fulfillment, and of course, love. All because of the size and shape and texture of my body. I knew I could not explore a discussion about self-love without exploring the deep disdain I felt for my body. As I began to ponder this really depressing truth and, you know, stalled actually doing anything about it, I started to get really conscious about the conversations in my head that I was having about and with myself. What I found was essentially a 24-7 narrative of self-criticism and self-loathing. Even having lived with that constant voice for over three decades, I stood slack-jawed and horrified by the way I spoke to myself pretty much all the time about pretty much everything. Somehow, each task in the day, whether it was related to work, life, or love, each deadline, every plan, all physical routines, of course, like food, water, exercise, sex, bathing, getting dressed, everything, All of it occurred despite a quiet, dark, dreadful internal script of unworthiness, hatred, and most especially, and most painfully, disgust. Three truths became excruciatingly impossible to ignore. Truth one, I have spent a lifetime disgusted by my large, jiggly, pale, pink body. That makes me deeply sad. Truth two, I don't acknowledge any of the wonderful things this body has done and continues to do for me, like its strength, its consistent good health, its pain-free movement, the joy, pleasure, and resilience it offers me, its soft, blemish-free skin, and most especially, its ability to maintain despite my mistreatment of it. This makes me deeply grateful and empathetic towards it. 
Truth three, change is essential. I need to figure out some way to love and accept it now, not when it becomes less of what I hate and more of what I approve of. And I do need to work towards getting it into a fitter, healthier state. This makes me terrified. So the first thing I did was to throw myself a lifeline. I thought that to accomplish this impossible thing, perhaps using the same formula I had used to grow my business and heal some of my toxic money stories, the biggest thing I could think of that had previously been impossible and had become possible, just might work for this. So I hired a coach. I told her I wasn't ready to do anything yet except talk through the self-loathing. It was pretty clear that my dozens of failed weight loss attempts over the years, and even the few successful ones, had all ultimately been in vain because of truths one, my self-disgust, and truth two, my lack of self-love and gratitude. As I began to talk to her and loosen my grip on my self-hate, I began practicing little acts of self-love and gratitude. I found myself being drawn to the things that had previously seemed ridiculous to me. One of those things was the conversation on social media about body positivity. I began following plus-size models on Instagram and pinning body positivity quotes and role models on Pinterest. I began seeking out women who looked more like me, who I could genuinely acknowledge were attractive and even sexy despite having larger, curvier bodies. And along the way, I even found unretouched ad campaigns showing swimsuit models with stretch marks and back fat. What I experienced when I saw these things, at first, it felt like slipping into an ice bath. Like all my senses and guts went into shock and discomfort at the sight of large, imperfect, jiggly bodies appearing in swimsuit ads. It was so uncomfortable. These women have cellulite and big wobbly thighs like me. And they are also undeniably empirically attractive. More than that, these women were being paid to model swimsuits. My shock was absolute. My mind was blown. All my programming from my whole life had told me this was not possible. But here it was. As I explored the shifting conversation in popular media about being fat and still being beautiful, for the first time, I didn't immediately dismiss these messages. I let them sit. What if it is possible to be both fat and beautiful? What if these things can coexist? What if it's possible to be jiggly and not disgusting? What's more, what if I really am as sexy and desirable as my husband says I am? Exactly as I am right now and exactly as I was the day he says he fell in love with me at first sight. Could these things be actually true? So after months of researching and experimenting, conversations, and <laughs> a lot of journaling <laughs> and exploration, the secret I've discovered is this. Facing the fear, putting the effort and investment into learning, really learning through practice, not just thinking about it, how to love what you believe to be the most unlovable parts of you, whatever they may be, actually is the number one key to being a successful entrepreneur. I know this may sound insane and totally unrelated, but it's not. If you want to get everything on your to-do list done, if you finally want a profitable business, if you want to find your magic, if you want to prove that you can do this, if you want to be able to quit your corporate job because your side hustle business is finally providing you with a six-figure salary, then listen up. Whatever your darkest corner is, it's time to grab a flashlight and a buddy and go there. 
You can avoid it for as long as you want, but while you do, you are not going to access the ease, joy, freedom, fulfillment, and success that you're hungry for. I'm sorry I don't have better news. (laughs) Trust me when I say I wish this were not true, but I promise you this is it. This is the secret. This is the life hack you've been looking for. This is it. There is nothing else. So for me personally, my health coach and I have taken it up a notch and we've moved out of the hypothetical and into the actual. I'm not just exploring these concepts and talking about my feelings anymore. I'm facing my fear of failure and I'm diving headfirst into another period of thoughtful eating, daily exercise, no alcohol, no sugar, and no white flour. And, you know, I'm going public. I'm here talking to you about it. But this time, it's not about the plan or the days or the pounds or the steps. It's about pushing to keep spreading this feeling of acceptance all over my lumpy, imperfect, lovely body. It's about loving myself through it instead of punishing myself. And this trickles down to my work as well. I no longer believe in discipline, only in acts of self-love. Genuinely, when I don't want to do something, instead of guilting myself and reminding me how I always procrastinate and never finish the things and how I have to do it because it has to be done, instead of all that, I motivate myself by gently exploring how nice it would feel to have it done, how great it would feel to have the rest of the day to do other stuff without worrying about it. For me, this actually works a thousand times better and is a lot faster than forcing it. So for you, Magic Maker, if you want to join me in the daily practice of self-love, your goal is to explore and stay centered in the belief that you deserve love and acceptance and anything else you desire or dream of right now. Use the proof you have from past experience doing the impossible thing. Use that to remind you how strong and capable you are of doing what really matters to you. Acknowledge and work on accepting that you have everything you need right now to be successful. You don't have to wait anymore. Now, I have to tell you that when I sat down to do this episode, I fully intended to file it away until some sort of respectable weight loss goal had been reached so I could share my success story with you. I mean, obviously nothing I say here has value until I'm thin and I get to tell you about the magical journey of losing weight and learning to love myself more and more each day, right? (laughs) But that's the old me trying to stay safe and perfect. I'm fighting these instincts because deep inside, I know this moment, this one right now where I'm terrified, I'm raw, (laughs) fat, and empowered, and trying with everything I've got to rewrite my stories is the one that matters. It's the one where real change can occur. Once the weight is gone, the change has happened. And I'm willing to bet you might be having a similar moment. Let me be clear, this is not about weight loss. It's about learning to truly and deeply love and accept ourselves as we are now. It's about learning to believe that we are allowed to be exactly who we are right now and still be worthy of love, success, and respect. This is the real secret to having that big change, that big life you dream of. Just like starting or growing a business, it's not about waiting. It's about starting now, before you're ready, and figuring out the details as you go along. Which, by the way, is much easier in business when you have the confidence that actually automatically comes from this whole self-love and acceptance thing. So I'm sharing this now so that if you want, you can come along with me. 
so that if you can relate to anything I've shared, you can reach out and tell me, and together we can take brave steps forward one at a time to change our narrative. I'd love to have you join me in my private Facebook group, Magic Makers HQ. It's a safe place where we can share our shame so we can get rid of it. So we can begin the practice, the active daily practice of self-love and self-acceptance together. I hope you will join me. That's it for episode six of the Magic Maker podcast. Welcome to the headquarters of entrepreneurs who want to do good, be real, find happy, and build brands that matter. We're thrilled that you are here. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or another streaming service, you can check out the show notes and links for this episode at janacolesmith.com slash podcast. Next week, we're going to dive deeper into a discussion about discipline and why it does not work. We'll look at some super practical ways to get more done and explore how to combat the guilt during our magic maker journey towards freedom of fulfillment. If you want to make sure you don't miss the next episode or any for that matter, be sure to subscribe. And of course, we would be so grateful if you'd be willing to invest a few moments of your precious time to review this podcast on iTunes so we can reach more magic makers and help them to change their lives and the world. We'll see you next time.